I think a lot of people don't allow themselves space to think outside of structures and gray area provides that opportunity that like kind of lets down genres, lets down boundaries, works between fields. That's where the name comes from. That's kind of what, what I'm all about. Hi everyone. And welcome to making ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, and I'm so glad you're joining the show today. We've got an incredible guest. It's Josette Melchor, who is the executive director and founder of Gray Area, an organization here in San Francisco that is dedicated to bringing together art and technology to make an impact both socially and civically. Okay, let's get started with the show and my conversation with Josette. Hi, Josette. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. Um, so why don't we start off, if you could tell me a little bit about Gray Area. Sure. Gray Area Foundation for the Arts, we're a nonprofit art and technology center based here in the San Francisco's Mission District. Uh, we have three main programs. We do education, where we teach code and electronics to create interactive artwork to teenagers and adults. And we also have an artist incubator program where we take artists through an, a six-month curriculum that allows them to develop a project that uses technology uh, as the medium. And so this is kind of a longer-term engagement program versus our education program, which is made up of workshops and a six-month immersive. Uh, then we also have public events, which allow us to showcase the work that's created in our incubator and also our education program, um, as well as partner with other outside organizations to produce content related to media arts. We're in an old movie theater, so it really helps highlight the medium in general. Uh, we've been able to repurpose a 1940s single screen cinema into this, this media art center, and it's just it's an amazing space to be in, to develop in, to create in, because it just makes so much sense that it's repurposed for, for technology and art. And how many students are going through the program maybe every quarter or every year? Yeah, we have, um, so our, we keep our, our classes pretty small just to kind of develop relationships. We have a 10-week a immersive that happens every quarter with a max um, capacity of about 10 students. So that's about 40 students a year in our immersive plus workshops, uh, which generally are about two per month. So we're, we're probably serving um, anywhere from 100 to 200 students, including youth, where we have an apprenticeship program that pairs them with uh, people that graduate from our immersive. So it's actually like a skill sharing um, partnership that we, we co-fund with uh, Dolby and other technology companies. And tell me about your day-to-day -day role at the organization. It's not, it's not as exciting as it sounds. I'm generally <laughs> uh, having staff check-in meetings and then um, having individual meetings with each staff member. Um, then I have to carve out time that allows me to think more long-term. Since I'm the executive director of the organization, I have to try to think about what's next as, as much as I possibly can. And so it's been really important for me to delegate and hand off and have those staff check-in meetings, that, which allows me to trust my team to do their work. And then I carve out um, at least one to two days that allows me just to kind of um, think about what we're going to be doing in six months and five years. And then while also creating relationships with outside organizations and doing partnerships and fundraising. So a lot of it is meetings and then um, spending as much time as possible as I can just 
being in my own head and um, writing things out. And I'm sure passion is really core to what drives you in this role. What was the first thing that kind of turned you on to the art world and an interest in the arts? It's, um, so I think generally I was just kind of a, a little bit of a creative, outgoing, weird, young person. I was the commissioner of spirit in high school, so I would throw all the pep rallies and produce the dances and DJ at lunchtime. Uh, so it was always kind of this person that was an organizer. And where and did you grow up? I grew up in the Coachella Valley. I, I went to high school in Indio, um, in La Quinta area, where Coachella happened. Yeah. And so it was desert, kind of had to make my own fun <laughs> and dig holes instead of climb trees. Uh, <laughs> so it was this whole different way of living. It's kind of not really natural in this way. I would often... Uh, complain that you know only aliens could live there and we were running between air conditioners uh because it's so hot you know 120 degrees and such but um what what really got me into the arts was just the the time I actually visited my first museum as a teenager I started to realize how important um artists were and how important the arts were in terms of presenting them as an experience because I was all, often just an experienced designer I was, as I was growing up, just naturally um, running pep rallies and sort of creating dance experiences and things like that. It was just a natural thing, throwing weird little parties for my friends. Um, Theme parties? <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't want to know the name of my first <laughs> party. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so, and then I, you know, I would go to raves as well um, growing up and, and in the desert and drive to L.A. and kind of something that was always in... My culture was electronic music and and dance and, exp and these shared experiences. So, yeah, when I was a teenager, I went to the first museum, um, decided right then and there that that's what I wanted to do, which I think doesn't really happen very often to people. I went home, looked at a phone book, and and enrolled myself in art school. And In high school? In, in, no. Um, the For first college? time I went to museum... I was 17, almost 18, and I was on my, I was at, I was already enrolled in uh, San Diego Community College. Then I decided when I kind of strolled into the San Diego Contemporary Art Museum um, that all of a sudden that's what I wanted to do. So I went, went back to my studio um, and kind of looked up uh, the Art Institute in the Yellow Pages and enrolled there. Uh, so I guess that's kind of the moment that I got <laughs> interested in the you, arts. You got interested and then you immediately <laughs> enrolled. I was just immediately was in, interested. <laughs> yeah. So what did you study in school? Advertising. Um, okay. And, and, and then also I got really into web development. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, my next question was, how did you get into the technology side of things? And I know you mentioned, you know, interest in electronic music and you just mentioned web design. You know, what kind of grabbed you about technology? Um, you know, this is a silly answer to your question, but I remember when I was promoting events in Los Angeles for my first gallery and MySpace had come out and... And I was kind of making little websites here and there with HTML, and this is going to be the most ridiculous answer. Um, but I remember just being really excited about making HTML blingy things on my 
<laughs> on, on your MySpace? My MySpace oh my page. gosh, I totally remember that. <laughs> and just being really like going to these wormholes around how to make my page look so much better and just having that agency to be able to to change the page and promote my events. Um, so I got really into coding <laughs> because I wanted to put blingy, shiny things on my MySpace. Thank you, MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> I totally remember. I totally remember that. <laughs> but it became a lot easier to promote uh, events through that platform and through social networking because you weren't running around having to flyer. And so that was also just super exciting in terms of technology. It was just the social aspect of it. And so I think that that was kind of something that, that changed my mind around it. In, in general, I think I was already in classes around electronic music and Adobe and, and web design through, you know, Adobe. But this was, this was just kind of a different moment that I just was like, oh, wow, this is really useful. I can do this and it can help me um, share the experiences that I'm trying to create for, for the local communities. So what did you do after college? Uh, after college, I was, I was in college. I've been doing the, so I, it's kind of weird because I didn't have a path of like, Oh, here's, here's college. And then here's the new project. And then here's, um, your job. It was kind of all of them all at once, all the time. And I think when you're a teenager and in your early twenties, you have some sort of superpower that allows you to just constantly work and or at least I had that and I was working at a bank running a gallery um, doing web development going to school going I went to massage school I mean I was doing so many things all at once that I can't really say that I did anything after college because I've been doing things all throughout <laughs> my, uh, since since I got out of high school really um, college job side project um and then extracurricular activity like uh, DJing or massage school and so it's always been this kind of I can't do that anymore it's not sustainable <laughs> in my 30s but at that point I was doing so many different things and then at I think in 2008 was actually when I was able to transition from I'm um, doing you know five things at once to doing a gray area full-time so when did gray area start when did you you start it I started Gray Area around 2002, uh, 2003 in Los Angeles, and it was actually a project called the he the Here Gallery that transitioned into Gray Area. It was we I was it was a a warehouse that I had leased in uh, Beverly and Alvarado, and we I lived there, and we threw art and music shows. It was kind of. It wasn't using technology. I was just kind of producing community-based art shows and, and having bands play. Like the Airborne Toxic event played and just like different local indie bands. And I was DJing um, kind of Indian electro hipster music. Um, and then when I moved to San Francisco in 2005, I immediately leased another space and that was right in Soma next to DNA Lounge. It's now part of DNA Lounge and started it up again here. So just, yeah. <laughs> what was it about starting this organization that really drove you? I know community is really important to you. What kind of lasting impact do you hope to have with it? 
the the story that I have in terms of like my passion around the arts is just that I my life has been so um, it ha- has been changed so much by allowing myself to be creative and creating s- safe spaces to allow creative expression to happen and to allow diversity to happen and allow diverse audiences to experience work together in a shared space. And so my my goal and my passion is really around exposing as many people as possible to that vision and allowing creative safe spaces to exist. Because I think a lot of people don't allow themselves space to think outside of structures and gray area provides that opportunity that like kind of lets down genres, lets down boundaries, works between fields that's where the name comes from. That's kind of what what I'm all about. I have a hard time with labels. I have a hard time explaining that I'm queer, that I'm Mexican, that um, just these 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 labels that society sets is is just it's just really hard for people to think outside them. And so gray area allows that space to exist, and it's just extremely important. And so the impact that I hope to have is just providing a a, a venue and a a viewpoint that is outside of people's norms. That cross-pollination, especially here in San Francisco, of the arts and technology, why does that matter so much? I guess both for the work, but also the people who live here. There is a sentiment in San Francisco, and I think worldwide we all know, that technology is locally creating a an issue in terms of housing, in terms of affordability, in terms of just um, culture. And I don't necessarily agree with this. And there's a few reasons why I think that um, displacement ha- has happened many times in San Francisco. I don't, I don't necessarily think it has to do with Generally, with with the, that just one industry, um, advertising industry is huge here. Banking is huge here. Maybe everyone uses technology. Artists use technology. It's 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 a it's a medium, and I think that for the arts community to move beyond itself um, needs to open up a bit and. The same with technology. I think that there's, it's it's weird. It's weird when I first moved here, I would go to art shows and try to get to know all of the galleries and kind of gallery hop. And then I was looking for jobs and then I kind of got introduced to someone working at a technology company. And then there was just the a entirely different scene of people. And not that there are any, total, they're not totally different. Um, it's just that they're not, they're not going to the same events. So I think that once people get in the same room, it changes the dynamic between communities. And I'm not entirely sure other than what we do on a day-to-day basis, how that happens. Um, I think that people in general, no matter who you are, need to buy tickets to support culture, needs to buy, need to buy art, need to buy music because the local government and public funding is being cut. And so in general, I think that we all as a society have a job to support the arts and to, to support local culture. And if people aren't doing that um, from any industry, I think that that needs to change. 
Hey everyone, I want to tell you about an organization that can help transform your career, your skills, your life. They're the sponsor for our show. It's General Assembly. They're a continuing education organization with campuses all across the country, even across the globe, and they're all about letting you pursue a career that you'll love. At General Assembly, you can learn about becoming a developer or UX designer. You can learn about digital marketing or data science, SEO, and they really give you the tools to help transform your career by connecting you with the right people and mentoring you and offering programs that will really get you up to speed on a new discipline or just something you want to go deeper with. So I'm really excited for Making Ways listeners. If you go to ga.co and you find a class or a workshop that looks like a great fit for you, you can use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout and you'll get 15% off that class or workshop. So check them out, let me know what you think, and let's get back to the show. Tell me about the project you did with Google called Deep Dream. We did an exhibition at Deep Dream, the Art of Neural Networks, in February 2016. And this came about because the Deep Dream algorithm was developed, I believe, in summer 2015 or released publicly through Google Research, and it went viral immediately. Um, we, I think we've all seen these sort of dog face, million dog ear face videos or images floating around that kind of look like this LSD-infused artwork, uh, which was exciting because you start to see the, the similarities between uh, people's brains and computer brains and... I think people were really excited about that, specifically people that had done LSE, I think. <laughs> um, but in general, the the artists and and the work that was this, that was being output uh, was was interesting. So I had followed this, and uh, many many of my colleagues had followed this, and many of the artists that I that we support had been playing around with neural networks and understanding what they what they mean and artificial intelligence in general. And machine learning, and so gray area often responds to to new technologies that are coming out. Artists start to exploit and use for art, and so we we all knew as a team that it was really important for us to start thinking about uh, some sort of exhibit, some sort of program that used machine learning, artificial intelligence, and that was something that we were like, okay, we need to reach out reach out to to Google. But what ended up happening was, I think. Brady Forrest and Mike Taika reached out to us and we're like, we're looking, we want to do this exhibition. And it took about six months to develop. So we developed a relationship with Google Research and formulated the concept for the exhibition, which was um, for us to to pair artists with the, with the neural network techno- technology and produce prints that would then be that were underwritten by Google and then be auctioned off to support gray areas mission. So it was, it's interesting when you have partnerships with, um, with tech companies or with commercial companies in general, there's this, this like, Oh, is this corporate social responsibility? Is this marketing? Is the, where, what is, is this public? What are we doing? And so gray area often falls between somewhere between corporate social responsibility and marketing because there was a huge, I mean, this was the, one of the first artificial neural network exhibitions that has ever happened. And so 
it was a big deal in terms of um, press and coverage and, and exposure. It sold out. So I'd love to ask you about mentorship and the importance that mentorship has played in your life. Obviously, you've grown so much, and I'm wondering if there have been people there who have helped you kind of along the way. Yeah, there, there's, there have been a few mentors that definitely helped me change gears and uh, understand and be connected with, with other people that I wouldn't have been connected to without them. Uh, specifically, Peter Hirschberg and, and Chloe Sladen. Uh, they were sort of on the founding board of, of Gray Area, and I call them often to ask questions and just kind of hear their perspective on the world. The, the Peter's a he was a former Apple executive and kind of he's an, a digital art collector, and we had had I think that he was trend, just like so important in in my transition from just traditional media traditional art to uh, technology-based artwork. He was a collector of digital art, and we had these these long conversations about um, artists and their role in technology, and that's kind of um, something that, that has been infused in gray area, and he's been, he's such a, a networked person. He, he gives talks around the world and uh, has been able to connect gray area with so many different communities um, and myself, and then Chloe Sladen is just kind of this this woman that I look up to so much because she she holds herself so well and is super articulate. I think that female mentors as a female entrepreneur have been like so important just even on a just keeping in touch. Jane Metcalf is also another person that um, has been just a, such an inspiration. She was also a digital art collector and supporter and founded Wired Magazine and um, is just so cool and, and engaged and interested and supportive. Uh, even just those, just being like that and just being like encouraging to a younger generation of women, I think is very, very important. Um, I also take my job with my team and the life cycle that I explained as um, an example of, um, of mentorship. And I understand my role with the women on my team and and also the men on my team that may not have as many skills like being able to for me to be balanced enough that I feel grounded to be able to offer guidance and support and not kind of get frustrated around <laughs> the lack of like you know a, a skill that I've had for years or something like that it's, it's 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 so important to be able to just like have enough space to give um, knowledge and skills to the next to 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 people, not next generation, just like to to your your peers. Um, so yeah, I think mentorship is extremely important, not only to receive but also to give. Yeah, and you talked about this life of doing a million things, and you're also a DJ. You've got all the projects like Gray Area. You have your personal passions. How do you approach time management, and especially as the organization grows and your role evolves, how do you kind of delegate and shift things and make sure that uh, there is some kind of work-life balance, or or do you think there needs to be a work-life balance, I guess? There has to be a work-life balance. I think, I don't even know how I did what I did 
when I did it. I, um, now I have to take time. DJing is kind of one of my ways of, of getting out of administration and fundraising and concept development. It's kind of just a great way for me to, to just think about beats and music and, and people and, and the relationship to, to that. Uh, so it's it's my kind of it's a, a bit of therapy for me when I'm I'm just playing music. Even I, I mostly just play at home. I'm I'm I rarely play out. I've recently been playing out a bit more. I used to do I used to do it a lot more, um, but it's just something that I do as a, a therapeutic kind of out output. Um, but time management, I just hired an assistant. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> so that's kind of... It's a big step. Yeah. That's that's like kind of a cop-out answer because it's like, <laughs> well... Well, I hired somebody else to figure it out yeah. for me. <laughs> well, part of, part of you figuring out is realizing that you need help. Yeah. I was... I've been so horrible at kind of scheduling and following up with people around, Hey, coffee, this and that. I, I'm horrible. Uh, just cause I'm, I'm just doing, I'm already in the middle of like this team and I'm already having to manage all of these, their schedules and their, uh, their focus. And so I'm not only managing my time, I'm managing a team's time. And so that just gets, it seems silly, but it gets overwhelming to manage your own time at a certain point. Cause you're thinking about everyone else and how they're, what their direction is and you need to veer them back and make sure that they're, they're balancing their time. So yes, I've realized that I need help with my own um, time management because I am already managing a bunch of other people's time. And what about a new project that you're working on? Something kind of in, in the latest uh, in gray area or in your life that you're really excited about? I, um, there's a few. (laughs) Let me hear about them. (laughs) Uh, the no one- surprise, there's a few, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, your answer wouldn't have been like, well, there's one thing, <laughs> and that's going to be the focus for a little bit, yeah. There, there's, um, there's, there's a few. One, one is there's um, the, the fun thing. The, the, I have this art car called the Pyramid Scheme for Burning Man, and it's an, a 16-foot-tall roving pyramid. Uh, that has LED panels on it and and just light lightly and we we built that last year and so I'll be doing a whole sort of pyramid scheme week coming up in August and, uh, <laughs> you know invite three friends and, <laughs> and get one free ticket you know that's going to be a party in San Francisco yeah it'll be a party in San Francisco but then we'll <laughs> we'll take the car out to the to the playa this year and hopefully next year so that. It's awesome. Then the other project is I have a, a company called Dreamboat that I'm been running and, and kind of just like it's it's in its nascent phases uh, with uh, Ray McClure. And that's an experiential media studio. The We want to start to like the, I, I talked about the, these problems with working with commercial um, commercial partners and nonprofit partners. So I'm starting a, a commercial company to work with commercial partners so that it's kind of on the same level. That's a good way to solve for uh, it. Say, Hey, you guys keep coming to me for this. So I'm just going to start a business yeah. that's separate. And then we can work together on that and keep this for the main focus. Yeah. Exactly. So that's called Dreamboat, And we've already done a few projects with, um, Samsung and other, and, um, 
Converse and a couple others. That's great. Yeah. Um, It's mostly Ray McClure and I'm kind of um, just kind of um, doing some, some more creative direction and stuff like this, which is fun which I don't really, I'm not really able to do with the, the sort of day-to-day stuff that I'm doing in the gray area. Um, I'm also, through that endeavor, I'm, I'm working on, I don't know if I should say this, actually. Maybe I won't. I'll hold that one. <laughs> it, uh, it's not public yet? <laughs> no, it's not. I just, I, I want to I throw a parade. <laughs> awesome. I, I want to throw a parade. I won't tell you what it is yet. Okay, that um, sounds great. I want to throw a parade that highlights technology in a unique way, but creates a civic celebration so that people don't use think about technology. That's actually a, a, a goal of mine over the next several years is to produce content that is technologically advanced, but nobody talks about the technology. They just talk about the experience. So that is something that I, the, the dialogue I want to change. So I hope to do that through a parade in the next couple of years. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. Well, I'm super excited for it. And thanks for sharing all of that. Josette, it was so wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you for, for coming and for the conversation. Thank you so much. Okay. That was our conversation with Josette Melchor. Josette, thank you so much for joining the show. It was such a pleasure to meet you. And for everyone listening out there, I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. If you want to learn more about Gray Area, and I highly recommend you check them out and support them or attend an event or teach there or become a student, check out grayarea.org. And that's G-R-A-Y-A-R-E-A.org. Thanks to our sponsor, General Assembly. Check them out at ga.co and use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout for 15% off any class or workshop. Thanks to all of our listeners out there and supporters. I love hearing from you guys. Check out makingways.co for original illustrations I do each week for each of our guests, articles, show notes, and so much more. You can also follow us on Twitter at making underscore ways or on Instagram at making.ways. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've also got some of Jim's music in the mix, too. Thank you guys so much for listening, and have a great week.